Welcome, adventurers. This tale is the conclusion of a three-part series. If you have not yet listened to episodes seven and eight, please do so now. For the rest, Frain has taken a knee in defeat before Mordecai. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Frayne felt as if he would be torn in half. He knew what he was about to become. What remained of the old Frayne fought with all that was left to stop what came next. But as a hopeless drunk offered a mug of ale, he felt his hand reach out to take Mordecai's arm, turning it slightly to expose the wrist to his head, which rose from the bowed position. The oddest of sensations, the twinge of pain, and a tingle of pleasure. Frayne felt his canines burst forth from his gums, and then the hunger overtook him. He sank his newly formed fangs into the tender hollow of Mordecai's wrist and drank. The tattered remnant of the old Frayne expected it to be sticky and warm, but it was not. Instead, it felt as if he was able to inhale fire. He could feel his feeble mortality being burned away from the inside. He could feel the fire's strength and power radiating through his body and into his limbs. Then an unexpected strength burst forth from the last vestige of his former self. Frayne sent out one last prayer to his god. Gorion, do not let me become an incarnation of evil. Do not let this change come over me. Strike me down if you must. With this plea, he felt the imagined fire inside him change from raging oranges and reds to a pure white, and it radiated from him, from his very core, traveling out of him, through his fangs. He was vaguely aware of Mordecai screaming, and then ripping his arm away from Frayne, radiant light and smoke issued from the puncture wounds in his wrist. Frayne's form lifted from the ground, and then into the air, where it levitated several feet above the ground, arms extended to the side. An aura of white light expanded around him in a crackling sphere, driving Mardical back as it grew. Finally, a deep voice that was not Frayne's burst forth from his mouth in a word of command. Be gone! Mardukal hissed and then vanished into a mist which drifted rapidly away. The light that emanated from Frayne began to diminish. As it did, he returned to the ground and slumped to his knees. His head sunk, eyes closed as a wave of exhaustion rippled through him. He breathed heavily, as if he had just run for several miles. He could feel the light within him recede and then disappear. He was fraying again. He was... No. Something was different. Something was wrong. He gently extended a finger to his incisor and then drew it quickly back in dismay, a droplet of blood forming on his finger as if pricked with a needle. What was this? We must talk, my child. K-9 
came the same deep voice. Frayne's eyes opened, and his head raised again. A mountain lion sat on its haunches, but two paces in front of him on the dewy grass. It tilted its head slightly to the side as it inspected Frayne. Secret? What are you talking about? Byford stammered. There was a long pause, and then at last, I have not always been known as Irwin. My life, my lives, have been complicated in their own way. What are you saying, Irwin? Have you been drinking while I slept? Byford's words gathered strength in the disbelief. I have known you since you were eighteen. Lives? Are you mad? Is your grief driving you to this? I was twenty-three when you met me. I have always appeared young, Irwin continued. The much harder to believe truth is, I have been twenty-three for almost two hundred and thirty years now. Byford stared, then scrunched his face, then made as if to talk, then scrunched his face, then returned, speechless, to staring. I will show you something. It might appear disturbing at first, but give me a moment, and consider for all our years together that what I am saying is true. As he finished speaking, Irwin raised up his hands and began picking and pulling at his skin. Byford let out a muted cry as a piece of Irwin's face peeled away. But there was no blood. In fact, under the old skin was new skin. Young skin. Byford covered his gasping mouth with a hand, as in the next moments he watched his eighty-year-old friend Irwin become the boy he had met over sixty years ago. Tears leaked from Byford's eyes, and then, in quiet and awe, he said, How can this be? The story I can tell you if you wish to hear, but please keep calm, and remember that I have visited no harm on you or any of your family. Nor would I ever. In fact, it is quite the opposite. I have watched over you and your family, protecting you whenever I can. Irwin spoke. But now the short answer to a long story. I am a vampire. Go, Ryan, Frayne whispered in disbelief. The mountain lion straightened its head. Yes, my child. Is that so hard to believe? Not once in all these years have I heard your voice, Frayne said in dismay. And yet I have always been with you. That is what Sarkeesian always said. She is wise as she is worthy. Though nothing in the lion's appearance changed, Frayne felt the distinct impression of a proud smile. She is most welcome in my hall. Tears of sorrow and joy spilled down Frayne's cheeks. His heart pounded with gratitude to know that his friend and mentor was truly safe in Gorion's embrace. He basked in that feeling for some time before his thoughts turned back to himself. Gorion, what happened? What has become of me? The large cat shifted on its feet, 
head dipping slightly. It is a difficult thing, my child. I was unable to stop the transformation. A somber pause. You have become vampire. Frayne's head sank back onto his chest in defeat. But no, my will is strong, and it pains me to lose a child. Although I could not stop your transformation, I was able to prevent the darkness from taking you all together. Mordecai is your maker, but I have severed your bond. He will not be able to sense you, though I dare say he will never forget your face, or this night. I have reduced the harm that sunlight will do to you in this form, but it will weaken you significantly. Any more than an hour in direct sunlight, and you risk death. Your desire to drink human blood will tempt you, for it will always make you the strongest. But know that the blood of any animal will sustain you. Lastly, I have stopped that which would turn you evil. Your will remains your own. Frayne slowly looked back up at his god. And what will become of us? Will you still be my god? Will I ever hear from you again? The cat stood from sitting. You have become vampire. After this our bond will fade. Your faith in me will no longer grant you access to my divine energy. Nor shall we speak again as long as you inhabit this plane. That which is holy shall be as poison to the vessel that you now inhabit. You have served me faithfully, Frayne. I wish there was more. But existence is a strange and fickle thing, even for gods. My blessings on you now and for all of your long years. The mountain lion turned and began to pad softly away. Frayne hesitated and then called, But what shall I do? Gorion stopped for just a moment and turned to look back. You are now more powerful than many beings in this world, and you possess free will. Good, evil, the choice is yours. You must look inside yourself and live in such a manner as seems right to you. The cat turned away and continued to walk. As he did, the form of the mountain lion began to waver and fade. Just before it disappeared completely, Garion's voice whispered, Mordecai was not destroyed tonight. No doubt when he has recovered he will hunt you. Him and his kind will not appreciate your existence. Make haste from this place and be wary. Goodbye, my son. Byford was laid back in his bed, blankets pulled up to his chin, eyes fighting to stay open. I'll be, he said sleepily. That is some story. For a moment it seemed as if he had fallen back into sleep, but then the lid of one eye popped back open. Erwin, sorry, I suppose I mean Frayne. I am Erwin. As long as there is a Byford. Then I am Erwin, Frayne replied. A smile came to Byford's lips. You said lives. What else you done, then? You have all them powers, and you waste them hanging round with a simple country folk. Frayne settled into the chair. For the first twenty years or so, I laid low, trying to hide and such. It was a difficult time, 
always in the shadows. I struggled a lot with the desire to. He paused, a brief moment of embarrassment showing on his face. To drink from humans, he said. But my loneliness got the better of me, and an idea formed. I found a small theater in Jomato. I learned how to act. But more importantly, I learned the craft of costuming and makeup. I learned how to change my voice from younger to older. I studied hard in both the theater and away from it. Studied humanity. How they lived. How they loved. I spent the next fifty years doing that. When I finally left, I had the skills to live a life from beginning to the end. To make it seem to those in my life that I aged like them. And with that trick up my sleeve, I began my journey. One I do not consider a waste. What journey is that, Erwin? Came Byford's sleepy response. Both eyes closed again. To be human, Erwin replied, turning to stare into the fire. You see, over time I decided that being human is a choice, and that choice is being human. I do not wish to be apart from life. Sure, I could use the strength I have to take what I want, to subjugate and control, to amass wealth and power. But to what end? Even my long life will come to an end one day, and what will I have to show for it? Objects? Possessions? Maybe some pages in a history about the titan or tyrant I was. No, instead I am collecting something else. Memories. Love and loss. Joy and pain. Sorrow and laughter. I don't know, but I suspect when I finally leave, those things will be far greater currency than gold and whatever comes next. And in the meantime, I know that I am making a difference in people's lives, watching over and protecting them as Esfar, the kindly priest who built and ran an orphanage for over sixty years, as Gemarata, the baker, loving husband of Gervin, and as Erwin, the poet, who has the best friend a man could ever ask for in Byford, the most talented thatcher in all the Barata province. Erwin smiled and turned back to Byford. He lay there in bed with a smile on his face. Byford, Erwin gently called. The blankets were still. No sound but that of the crackling fire. Byford, Erwin asked again, a tear streaming down his cheek. There was no reply. Erwin stood, leaned over Byford's motionless form, gently listening for breath. There was none. Tears flowed freely down Erwin's face. Say hello to Magwin for me he said. Frayne drew back the blankets and crossed Byford's hands over his chest, kissed him on the forehead, and then looked up. Gorion, welcome my brother into your hall, he whispered. He was better than I. Amazing tales do truly lurk in the shadows sometimes, just beyond our sight. I hope you enjoyed being let in on one such tale. Join me next week for a new tale. Fishy Business.
Hey, it's me again, uh, the guy with the low voice that tells all these stories. Uh, if you're here at episode nine, thank you so much for listening to what amounts to the first four stories of Tales from the Dungeon. Really, really appreciate it. And it's just me asking again, if you want to help out, help spread the word, I would always appreciate it. Tell somebody, tell a friend, say something about it on social media. If you feel like you can, drop it a review on any of the formats you listen on, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, wherever else you're listening. Uh, Reviews, word of mouth always helps. And I am very, very, very appreciative of your listens. So thanks so much. And there's still plenty more to come 